From thezebrablog.com, welcome to Before and After, the Furniture Refinishing Podcast. I'm Lane Ball. The key is keeping the paint wet, so either a wet brush or a spray bottle with wet, and then your brush is pretty key too. I love the Palm Pro because it's a little wider and it's really, it fits in your hand really well for the feathering back and forth. Today we talk to the successful business owner and talent, Jen Green with Green Spruce Designs. If you spend any time on her Instagram accounts, you'll be inspired with home design, photography, and furniture refinishing. Enjoy a few minutes with us today as we learn more about Jen, her furniture refinishing business, as well as how to paint the Umbri effect on furniture. Hi, Jen. It's so nice to chat with you today. Hi, Lane. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's start our conversation by having you take some time to tell us about you and your family. So I live in Northern Virginia, and I'm a wife and just recently celebrated my 20th anniversary. So we went back up to Ithaca, New York, um, where we had met. We met at Ithaca College, and we got married on one of the um, finger legs up there. So it was really great to be back in our old stomping grounds. And now, 20 years later, we have three kids. I have two boys, 14 and 11, and a daughter who's eight. And we just added a golden doodle puppy to the family this year. So that's been really fun. And she turns one next month. Oh, congratulations on all that. You know, that's funny. You said, so you said 20 years of marriage, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, there's some similarities with uh, my wife and I have been married. It will be married uh, 20 years in June. And uh, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. We have three kids. Our son is 16. We have two daughters and one is 13 and the other is seven. So we have some similarities. Oh, great. Yeah. We're tracking on the same path. (laughs) That's right. Do you have the puppy yet? You know what? We have a uh, golden retriever that uh, turned five in May. So, yeah. You said golden doodle, right? Yes, we have a golden doodle. I'm allergic, so um, we got the golden doodle, and she's super sweet. Oh, those are beautiful dogs. She's such a chill puppy. Is she? Yeah, she's way easier than any of my kids. (laughs) We haven't had any of the puppy stuff. Like, she doesn't chew on anything. She she listens to me perfectly. She's super smart. Wow, that's that's so nice. We have um, our uh, golden retriever's name is Henry, and... um, he was very rambunctious and it took probably two to three years to just get him to calm down a little bit. But uh, he's an excited dog. He loves, I don't think he realizes how big he is. Um, he's about uh, 80 pounds. And, oh, wow. Um, yeah. When he's playing, <laughs> you have to be aware of Henry. So, but uh, yeah. well, that's, that's fun to learn that. So how did you get into furniture refinishing? Um, so, so I was formerly a physical therapist. I worked in physical therapy for about 12 years. Liked my job. It was really rewarding but um but I was never like completely fulfilled I was always craving something more creative like I would have patients come in who were like interior designers or house flippers or artists and I'd be like Mm -hmm. mobilizing their shoulder and just like picking their brain about all of that creative job stuff and so I knew at some point I wanted to do um, something more creative. In 2010, my my third child was born and I decided to be a stay-at-home mom. So with that, money was a little tighter. So I got into thrifting and I thrifted like all the things, clothes and books and toys and home decor and furniture. And I love that it was less expensive because that helped mm-hmm. us out. But um, but I also found this passion for the thrill of the hunt. And I loved finding unique one-of-a-kind one pieces for my home mm-hmm. that made it really more special and 
living that more eco-friendly lifestyle was very important to me. And I just started refinishing the furniture for my own home. And that became my creative outlet. And I really had a passion for it. And I started offering to help my friends and family out with their projects. And as my skills improved and my hoard got bigger and bigger because I just kept (laughs) collecting, I started actually listing on Craigslist and sold a few pieces there every once in a while. I still had the kids at home, so so I couldn't do too much. But um, fast forward to 2016, when my daughter was going to be going to kindergarten in the fall, and the plan had always been for me to go back to work. I didn't want to go back to work. I wanted to do some kind of creative job and work from home, have a flexible schedule, and maybe like work outside when it's nice. So that's when I launched Greenspruce Designs and had the plan of selling furniture on my local marketplace sites and maybe also vintage home decor on Etsy, which I was really passionate about. And then maybe also dabbling in the interior styling space, which mm-hmm. which I had loved to. So that's kind of how my whole business launched. Now, when you did your first furniture piece did you find it just uh, like invigorating uh was it really fulfilling the creative um side that you were uh, interested in developing just after that very first piece you know i took a um just a little chalk painting class and just realized that chalk paint was very um, easy to use there's not a lot of prep work and so i think my first pieces were some uh black dining chairs that i had used in my dining room or or graphite kind of like a charcoal gray mm-hmm. and it just made the room like it was so much nicer it was pretty easy to do and i had just these thrift store chairs that were not in very good shape pretty ugly and then painted them and they looked beautiful. So that just got the ball rolling and I really um, started to have a passion for it. There's so many benefits to it, isn't there? I mean, from being able to find unique pieces, as you mentioned, so you've got, you know, not something that everybody else has. It's unique, not only in design, but the fact that you've been able to take it and put your personality on it, your creative flair. You know, it's it's also your saving furniture. I mean, a lot of times yeah. these pieces would be, you know, at the landfill. Um, yeah. So it's, really fulfilling. Now, what would you say is the hardest part of refinishing? When you think about from the beginning, actually, let's back up and say all the way from shopping. It sounds like you really, you said you enjoy the kind of the hunt of finding a really unique piece. Yeah. What would you say is the hardest part of furniture refinishing? I don't know that it's the hardest, but it's the part I least like is just these pieces are filthy. And so just cleaning them, prepping them, you know, doing the repairs and any sanding that you need to do. I just wanted to get to the paint, but you know, to, to have a nice final product that's going to last, you gotta, you gotta go through the, the cleaning and the prep work. You gotta do it, but it's my least favorite part. And I, and I guess too, you know, when you're painting, you see immediately when you start painting, you start seeing change take place, Yeah. but you don't necessarily see that. I suppose if it's a really dirty piece you do, but um, that prep work, as you said, is important, but it's, once you start putting the paint on, you see the transformation taking place. It really gets you excited. Now, I, I like I always like to ask this too, but with respect to finding these pieces, where's the, what would you say is the number one place or resource that you use to locate furniture, old furniture pieces? For flipping furniture, I, I actually like our local thrift stores because the, the cost is better than maybe an estate sale. I go to estate sales too but they've mm-hmm. upped the cost a little bit there. Yeah. So I would say thrift stores. I also, a lot of my friends, the pieces that we're going to talk about today, um, my friends gave me all of those. 
They just want to get them out of their house. So I get a lot of pieces from my friends, my friends of friends who just call me and say, I have this piece. I don't want it anymore. So that's great. Yeah, how nice. Um, And then I'll go to flea markets or state sales. And sometimes I find them on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. The Restore Habitat for Humanity, I find them all over the place. But the thrift store seems to be a good flipper's price, although there's usually a lot more prep work on those too. Yeah, you. it, it is fun too. When you think about estate sales, it's fun to go to those. And I think I mentioned this in um, the podcast interview with Fallon. She was talking about how to locate those pieces to refinish. And, you know, the estate sales are great. They're fun to go to. But I think so many people are catching on and aware, which is, which is huge benefit as well, but it makes pricing a little more steeper, a little bit harder, especially if you usually don't have to clean those as much. They're, they're like a a lot better condition. So Mm -hmm. you save time. So it might be worth a little bit more of the money. That's a great point. I I didn't think of that. Well, now you uh, recently shifted from selling in a shop to selling on Etsy. What was that trans, uh, I always laugh when I say that, I suppose I'm, I'm saying pronouncing Etsy or Etsy. How do you pronounce that? Is that I pronounce it Etsy. Okay, Etsy. <laughs> I pronounce it Etsy, but I could be wrong too. My daughter sometimes laughs at me the way I say some of these things. So hopefully, oh, yeah. I said that. so. What was that transition like? Was that a was that a smooth transition for you? How has that been? Um, you know, I loved having a space at the barn. Um, part of it was it was a one month sale every month. I sold all my painted furniture pieces. I also did vintage home decor there. I loved coming in and styling it every month. And then kind of the day we opened was the big reveal, which is a little different than like an antique mall where you're always open and things are always getting picked over. I kind of would style it and have it ready for that weekend. So that was Mm -hmm. a lot of fun. It was very time consuming because everything was one of a kind. All my painted furniture pieces were one of a kind. I picked everything myself in terms of the vintage home decor. So that was very time consuming. I loved it. I loved it all, but it was all very time consuming. And it was over an hour away from me, from where I lived. So I just, I was working nonstop every day and Mm -hmm. I was not um, having a lot of time with my family. And so this year I kind of said, what do I love the most? You know, when when everything's important, nothing's important. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of figure out what I love to do the most and focus on that and so that I would have more time with my family. Although I loved it all, my biggest passion was the furniture painting and creating. So I left the barn and am now just focusing on uh, furniture painting. And I opened my Etsy shop and that's a huge transition going from a brick and mortar to selling online, especially mm-hmm for someone who's not too tech savvy. So I spent a couple months just getting rid of all the vintage smalls mm-hmm. and then a couple months just researching how to set up an Etsy shop, how to actually get found when you are on Etsy with the SEO searches. And um, and then also like a month of just researching how to ship furniture. So it was a huge transition, but I'm up and running now at Green Spruce Designs on Etsy. and. I shipped my first piece of furniture this week and it was stressful, but exciting. And, and I'm so proud of myself for actually doing it because I, I had been thinking of doing it for the last three years when I was at the barn and I, I kind of just stayed safe at my brick and mortar, but I did it. I did it this week. So it was really exciting. Well, congratulations. Um, sometimes that's difficult to make that step out of what you're doing 
and you know what becomes comfortable to aspiring to do something different but then making that uh, decision to actually do it and uh so so huge congratulations to you yes. on that. That's great to hear that it's Thank going you. well. Thank yeah. well, you. You have two Instagram accounts, one that highlights the beauty and design of your home, and of course, your furniture refinishing account. Tell us before we get into discussing a few of your furniture pieces about your home and its design and style. I, I actually, in um, 2014, designed and built my home custom. So I drew out the floor plan. I worked with an architect to kind of make that come to fruition. I worked with a custom builder. So I was here on site every day with him, picking out every little finish. And he didn't have like um, finishes I could choose from. Like I had the whole internet <laughs> to choose from. So it was a lot of work, but I um, kind of picked out every single detail and I loved every bit of the process. So. It's kind of like, I would say, modern farmhouse style. I'm from mm -hmm. New England. I'm from Vermont originally, so, mm -hmm. and I live in Virginia, but a lot of it has New England accents. Like mm -hmm. I have stacked stone fireplace and I have soapstone on the countertops and marble countertops and gray shake on the outside. So definitely has New England vibe with it. Well, I, I know others have enjoyed your Instagram feed <laughs> because your home is really beautiful from the stunning images to the spacious of the spacious rooms to the simplicity of design with an incredibly cozy atmosphere. Um, are you always designing in your rooms, changing things out continually, or do you dial in on a look and hold fast to that style? Um, I'm kind of changing things out a lot. I, I actually have a painted furniture piece in every room, but sometimes I'll find one that I like better and paint that and move that in. And so doing furniture myself helps me to kind of, you know, transition the rooms a little bit easier because I have, I have the stock to do it. Yeah. That I, I, you know, I bet as well, you know, you were talking about when you were at the barn and the amount of time it takes to, to, you know, to organize and get things set properly so that uh, everything's in its place and, you know, I, I guess you get to utilize those creative juices at, at your home, yeah, you know, in each of your yes. rooms as well. So that's, that's neat. With that, I just, I, I've kind of got into photography with the Instagram account too. So that's another creative outlet that, that I'm really enjoying. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up too, because that is such a great um, uh, talent as well. So when did you actually dive into photography? I actually, when I had young kids, I took a photography class from one of my uh, friends who's a photographer. So she did uh -huh. a weekend class and I took that class from her and she taught me how to use my camera in manual mode. And it was really more to take picture, really good pictures of my kids because I was mm -hmm. really into scrapbooking at the time, but my pictures weren't so great. So that helped a lot there. And then starting the Instagram account, I kind of had a little bit of knowledge of photography and it just improved with every square that I posted. Well, let's jump in on the discussion of a few of your furniture pieces. The first design we'll discuss is one of my favorites for sure. It's a four-door dresser with a mirror, and it appears to be a blend of blues and browns, but it's an incredibly mellow blend. Tell us about this piece. Yeah, that piece, it's an antique dresser, um, 
and I used Annie Sloan chalk paint in Napoleonic blue, which is a deep royal blue. It was a little bit too vibrant of a blue for, for an antique piece. So I let that uh, blue dry overnight. And then the next day I came and painted over it with a wash of Annie Sloan graphite chalk paint in that I just watered down the paint, painted it on wiped it off and that toned down the blue with that graphite. I also used some wet distressing with a damp cloth so I could wipe back some of the paint mm -hmm. and reveal some of the warmer wood tones. So you have that contrast there. What about the hardware? Was that the original hardware? That was the original hardware. Yeah. How did you part with this piece? I believe you mentioned on Instagram account that it sold. Yeah, that one sold. I didn't have a spot in my house for that one, but I do love blues <laughs> and I did love that piece. So when I don't have a spot, uh, I sell them. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure I'm sure they don't hang around long. They're beautiful pieces. This this piece is um, is really stunning. Uh, another great yeah, piece you, you finished was a mid-century piece with a combination of stain and paint. Incredible transformation from its original condition. And I want to add, this piece was featured in the top 40 of our 2018 before and after furniture finishing contest. So tell us about this piece as well. This piece was had just like this brown varnish all over. I had no idea that there was going to be a two-tone wood. So I didn't really have a design in mind. I just had to like strip it first to get all that brown gunk off. And I used citrus strip, which is the stripper I use. Um, it has no harsh fumes like mm -hmm. a lot of the other strippers. Um, and once I stripped it down, I found this gorgeous wood. Like the drawers and the body, I think, are a warm walnut. Mm -hmm. And then the the leg base is this light wood. I'm not sure. I can't remember what it was. Maybe a white oak or it, but it's two contrasting wood colors. So I knew I wanted to incorporate that wood tone into the design. And because that walnut is this warm, orangey brown wood, I chose a deep blue to contrast that to make it really pop. So I use one of my favorite colors, which is General Finishes Coastal Blue Milk Paint. Mm -hmm. on the body of the dresser. And then on the wood, I used Real Milk Paint Company hemp oil that just brings out that the natural color of the wood, which is stunning. And the, um, the, the piece is so well framed in that blue, frames that walnut that you were talking about. And then the base, if you know, that light color wood, it's um, such a great balanced piece. Now it looks like the middle of the piece, is that a natural wood that's showing or is that a paint color? Yeah, I think, I think that was that light toned wood uh -huh. that just trimmed out the walnut, which you could not see at all on the original piece until I stripped it off. And I just thought it was such a beautiful design. So I had to keep that. For sure. I mean, like I said, it, it is such a, a nicely balanced piece. Well, this last piece we'll discuss is going to be the centerpiece of our discussion on how to paint the ombre effect on furniture. For folks that are new to this particular style, Wikipedia describes ombre as the gradual blending of one color hue to another, moving tints and shades from light to dark, or I suppose dark to light. Jen, you mentioned on social media that this piece was inspired by a vacation you took to the coast of Maine. Tell us about this piece first, and then we'll discuss in detail how you achieve the ombre effect. Yes, yeah, so this piece was given to me by a friend, and it, it was totally not my style. So I had it in my um, storage unit for over a year. I was stumped on how to paint it. And it, it, what's funny is after I painted it, it became my favorite piece, and it was completely my style after I had painted it. But I went on a summer vacation last summer in Maine and just was surrounded by the beautiful ocean waters. And often I get 
inspired by nature. So on our drive home, I was scheming up my next piece because I was really excited to paint something. And I wanted it to be the ocean blue colors with like an ombre effect simulating Mm -hmm. the white waves on the surface and the darker, deeper colors at the depths of the ocean. And so as I was contemplating this on our drive home, I said, you know, that piece with that mirror that I was given (laughs) that's been sitting there that the curves on the mirror kind of reminded me of waves. So I said, that would be the perfect piece to do this on. So I finally had a vision for it. I got home. I always stocked up on blues because it's my favorite color. So I immediately started painting. Um, I did a base of the Annie Sloan Napoleonic blue chalk paint on the whole thing, which is what I did on the other blue dresser. And then on um, a palette, I took four colors. I did Annie Sloan chalk paint and pure, which is white. I did an Aubusson, which is kind of a greenish blue, Napoleonic blue, which is the royal blue, and a graphite, which is a charcoal with blue undertones. Mm-hmm. So I started at the top of the mirror. The first half was was a mix of white and a little bit of Aubusson, so it was pretty light. That's supposed to be the crest of the wave. And then the bottom half of the mirror is Aubusson with a little white, so it's a little darker. And then where those colors meet, the light and the dark meet, I use a clean, um, wet brush, which I really love the Zebra Palm Pro for blending when I'm doing ombre. So that um, that's the perfect brush to kind of feather the light color down and feather the dark color up. So you're blending the two colors together. And I keep the brush wet on those on that area and blend it together so it's a more um, natural transition. And then on the top of this dresser, the top and the uh, first drawer, I did Aubusson, painted that on. Second drawer was Napoleonic Blue, which is a little darker and deeper. And then the third drawer in the legs are Graphite, which is a little darker and deeper. And because that's a little bit more of a larger surface, I use a spray bottle with water in mm-hmm. between those light dark colors and then feather it back and forth horizontally on the drawers with the Zebra Palm Pro. And then on the sides, I do that, but I do it in a vertical motion. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, the key is keeping the paint wet. So either a wet brush or a spray bottle with wet. And then your brush is pretty key too. I love the Palm Pro because it's a little wider and mm-hmm. it's really, it fits in your hand really well for the feathering back and forth. Oh, that's great. Really good to hear that. Now, I <clears throat> so you have to work pretty fast then as you're, as you're doing this ombre style. I mean, is this something that happens all at once, you know what I mean by at once and in one painting where, the, where you, cause you mentioned you paint, you started at the top and then worked all the way down. So is that, is that true? You have to just really kind of be on top of it then and, and work quickly. Yeah. So I did the mirror part first and then I did the first and second drawer kind of as one till I got that blended. And then I did the second and third drawer, painted those colors on and then blended where that transition would be. So that you're getting a kind of a, a gradient between those two that's blending up through them, if that makes I, sense. Yes, it does. Well, I think what's, you know, and, and hopefully uh, the listeners will take time to go out and look at this piece. And hopefully you can pull it up while, while you're listening to the podcast because it, there's such a, it's, it's so smooth. I mean, if you look at the top of the mirror and you start following it all the way down till you get to the dresser, you know, from the mirror to the dresser itself, from the top drawers all the way down to the middle drawer, the bottom drawer, and then down to the legs. It's such an incredibly smooth transition. 
that mm. uh, it, it really is a work of art. It's really beautiful. Now, you did you do some distressing on this piece as well? So I did some um, distressing after I got it all painted. And because I had the Napoleonic blue base, that helps to kind of blend some of those colors together also, because you're seeing that peek through a little bit, and then you see a little bit of the warm wood tone peek through. And then I finished by covering the whole piece in clear wax. And then I did black wax on the legs to keep those really dark because they are in the depths of the ocean. Yeah. And then I did white wax at the very top of the mm -hmm. mirror so that that would be the, the crest of the wave. So for listeners to really be able to grasp this and, and think through this from a process, it sounds like you mentioned earlier that you use the Palm Pro for like a clean, did you say a clean wet wash? So you're dipping it in water. So the brush has no paint on it. You're dipping it in water to keep it wet. And while right. the paint, so while that paint is, um, you've just painted, then you take this wet wash to, to do some blending. Yes. And very like feathery strokes back and forth. So you're bringing the light into the dark and the dark up into the light and it's making a medium grade color between those so it's so you have that natural transition right okay and then the distressing is also a part that achieves the umber effect as you mentioned so once the paint is dry <clears throat> because of the base coat that you put in there the distressing allows you to go and and do some of the umber effect further correct yeah it just brings in more of that depth of color you're just mm -hmm. getting a little bit more of that. I love that piece, but it always reminds me of Maine and our vacation when I see it. <laughs> now this, so you you have this piece. You haven't sold this piece, correct? No, I I have I sold it, but I I look at it sometimes on Instagram, like I did before we talked. Did you cry when this play when this piece of us was? <laughs> no, I actually the the I it sold at the barn, so I didn't know who had bought it um, but she actually uh, contacted me afterwards and gave me a picture of it because she follows me on instagram so i actually know where it is i know who has it which is really nice oh, because that is one of my favorite pieces yeah well i hope she's listening <clears throat> to be able to enjoy the fact that she owns yeah, this piece and, so. and, yeah and to hear how <laughs> you know the the effort that you put into it and then you know the only other thing i'll mention as well uh is just the continuation of the umber effect at the end, and you just touched on this, was the wax. You said you used the mm -hmm. light wax or the uh, at the top and then the dark wax down at the bottom. So it's quite a process, isn't it? It is. It is. But I love that ombre effect. Would you say for somebody who hasn't, uh, who's never done the ombre effect, would you say that it's pretty intimidating on the front end? How would you encourage them to, to dive in and, and do a piece themselves? I would say if you're you're going to try it for the first time, get colors that are pretty close in hue, mm -hmm. like I did on that blue, I would say, having say a dark, say black and a white, that's going to be really kind of more abrupt and harsh at the transition line, especially if you're not used to doing it. So getting colors that have a more subtle difference between them will be a little bit easier to blend and make it look natural. And then definitely have your water spray bottle handy or, mm -hmm. or dip your brush into the water. Well, really good suggestions on that. We appreciate, Jen, you taking the time to join us today on the podcast and sharing so much about you, your business, your experiences, and giving us some guidance on painting the ombre effect on furniture pieces. If you would share with our listeners your contact information. So on Facebook, I am Green Spruce Designs. On Instagram, I'm Green Spruce Designs for my home decor account. And I'm Green Spruce Designs Furniture for specifically my furniture account. And then I'm also on Etsy now, Green Spruce Designs. 
Well, great. What an enjoyable conversation with you today, Jen. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too, Lane. It's been nice speaking with you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Zebra Blog's Before and After Furniture Refinishing Podcast. Today's episode is also featured on the zebrablog.com along with contact information for today's guest. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share those by clicking on the podcast slide in our header at thezebrablog.com. That's the zebra with an I.com. Thanks for listening and happy refinishing. <laughs>